goddamn tired and you're trying to ask me questions about Team Atlas right now? Fuck you. Fuck you, you asshole. Welcome to Dunstan Checks Men, uh, the best podcast uh, breaking down Dunstan Checks In minute by minute, uh, and every minute is paired with another feature film. I'm Lord Andrew Rutledge. I'm Emily Monkey Town, and I'm going to be high energy today. Oh, God, this again. And we're going to talk about minute 21. Yes. <laughs> minute 20. What? Sometimes you forget. That's like we couldn't afford to get you to record all unique numbers, so we just had you record 1 through 10, and then 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70. Yeah. <laughs> That's, I am a program that, you, that you're paying each, for each word for. Yeah, we pay by the word. Um, uh, 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 you, you're the one who paired this, this paired it? Yeah. You paired? I paired, yeah. Much I, like wine with dinner. Yeah. Much like a fine wine with a fine dinner, I paired minute twenty-one of Dunstan checks in with sideways. Yeah, so you can you can we can you know when that comes up. God, this is, full disclosure: this is a back-to-back recording, and we're dying here. Well, this is a back-to-back recording. I honestly, I'm gonna call you. I'm calling you out, Andrew. Sure. I don't know what your excuse is. I got three hours of sleep last night. I was up this morning at 3 a.m. for work, and I haven't slept since. It is currently 9 p.m. I've been up since three on three hours of sleep, and I worked a full shift at work. Then I went straight to D and D, where we played D and D together, and then we came here for this double recording. And I am losing my mind. I think I'm getting your loopy energy. Yeah. And, and we did something so incredible stupid that it was so funny and at the end of the last episode that i think that took out like a good 30 percent of my energy <laughs> that was left uh so let's just get right into this kyle's reading a comic book yeah i think it's spider-man i couldn't care okay <laughs> i'm sorry i mean i know the whole point of like like not not the whole point but a, mm. a big po- point of this podcast is to really go in deep on dunston checks in yeah but i just don't have the goddamn energy right now and i i don't what 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 larger what can we learn about about uh, Kyle's character from determining what comic book he's reading? Well, I mean, uh, first of all, we know he's a Spider fan. I was gonna say, well, it, that's it not necessarily deepens... true. What do you mean that's not necessarily true? We what have he we has seen? a Spider-Man toy at his father's desk. Do we know it's his? Oh, it's it's Mr. Grant's Spider-Man toy. It could be Brian. When Mrs. Dubrow's out of out be. of the office, he's swinging that toy around. It could be, or it could be Brian. You know I like that though. <laughs> but that makes Mr. Grant likable, and he's not. No, that's, um, that's just the truth. Um, hey, it could be it could be a legacy toy of Brian's. Legacy toy, sure. Yeah. I, what I want to talk about with this comic book situation is it looks like he has a second comic book in front of him as well on the ground. He's reading from one, and there's a second one oh, yeah, right in is. front of him. You're right. Now, do you think he's cross-referencing? I think maybe he was reading the one that was on the ground, and then he just sort of haphazardly in a childlike Manon. Manon? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the Manons are really important in a wine. Yep. Yep. I, I think also that there was... I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe it's still true because I don't read comic Nothing's books true. anymore. But Nothing everything's permitted. <laughs> the I don't read comic books anymore. They're for children. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I I love comics. I'm yeah. stupid. The the but I remember 
of the ones that I did read, it was kind of like you could just pick one up and and even if you just you just picked it up and put it down, it didn't matter. Well, famously, uh, famously, Stan Lee's whole philosophy was mm-hmm. that every every Marvel comic is somebody's first comic, yeah, and should be written in that way. Mm-hmm. I feel like they lost that at some point. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like they really did. Perhaps rightly so. Perhaps rightly so. Perhaps rightly so. It's it, every comic is someone's second comic. Well, <laughs> it, you know, if you're if that's your prime focus, I think it does it does hamper a little bit your ability to tell long form stories. Yes. Yeah, I guess I do like a recap page in the front. Sure, those are always fun. Yeah, and and I I, I last I was reading Marvel comics on the regular was uh, probably like 2016, and they were still doing those recap pages. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but whatever the case is, uh, Mr. Grant is leaving. Uh, I mean, he's going just to the hotel. Can I make a brief aside? Sure. Let's talk about Lost. None of your asides are brief, but go on. Talk about Lost. Yeah. Do you remember a running theme? Not theme, but a running element. You look so exhausted. Because I don't want to talk about Lost, but go ahead. A running element in season one was that Walt was reading the Spanish language comic book that Hurley had brought on the plane. Yeah, kind of, yeah. Yeah. And then in one episode, um, Michael, Walt's father, Mm-hmm. sees this comic book and says hey you read spanish and walt says no nah, i just like the pictures and michael an artist attempts to bond with walt over this uh-huh. and the second that doesn't go well he takes this comic on this deserted island they're on and he throws it in the fire um and hmm. in a in a show where with a lot a lot of bad parenting yeah that, that stands out to me as one of the top five shittiest parenting moments yeah yeah, I, I guess fuck you, Michael from Lost is is what I want to say. Why why did Hurley have a Spanish language comic book though? Um, uh, I mean I don't know I don't I I don't know. Okay. I, I mean Hurley, Hurley is Hispanic. Like, I, it's I I assume he speaks Spanish. We uh-huh. don't really ever see him speak Spanish, but we know I I know his parents do, and didn't I, I the, assume he learned he knows it. Didn't the plane the plane went from Australia to L A. or was it going from L A. to Australia? Am it I getting this backwards? For, it was going from it was going from Sydney to L A. and he, he, Hugo lived in L A. Right. Would they have Spanish language comic books for sale there in Australia? I guess. Well, I would assume maybe that's why he bought it because maybe he wasn't expecting to see it there and he and he bought it, hmm. or maybe he brought it from L A. with him. Maybe he just had it packed. Yeah. It's also one of those things that on just the show seems where really like, odd. <laughs> So I mean, we know from that, that 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 Hugo does speak Spanish, like privately, and then like both his parents are seemingly like first generation immigrants, like they like not born in America, mm-hmm. but they always 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 speak English around the house, and it's very clearly for the benefit of the viewer. Yeah, in a way that I I find frustrating. Yeah, that is frustrating, especially since like they're 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 clearly not afraid of subtitles generally, because like anytime we see Sun and Jin flashbacks, like those are subtitled obviously. Mm-hmm. But it, th- there's this weird level of contrivance I feel for, or well, maybe I'm wrong. I, don't, I mean, maybe Spanish speaking families can enlighten me on this. Maybe, maybe it is is more of a common thing than I think. Mm-hmm. But like those characters definitely like feel set up. Like there's this always implication that they're speaking Spanish when we're not looking. Yeah. Oh, that's too. That's too much lost for me for today. <laughs> I'm gonna have to call a, 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 a no more lost for the week for me. That's fair. <laughs> okay. Uh, I gotta go schmooze the guests. Yeah, schmooze. Yeah. Is that a word you'd ever use? Yes, I love the word schmooze. Okay. <laughs> I, I fucking love the word schmooze. That's Asked the good stuff. And answered. You ever? It, I, I think a similar word in in sound, at least, is spiel. You, you, how do you feel about spiel? I don't like either of these words. Yeah, I didn't think you would. Honest. Yeah, I love schmooze and they, spiel. They feel like uh, if I were to say these words. Yeah. 
I would feel like I was trying to imitate Lorelai Gilmore mm. in a way that, uh, you know, it would feel forced. Monkey, monkey, underpants. Not that I, not that I necessarily have anything against Lorelai Gilmore. Unless she, let's be honest, we've got some, we got some problems. We yeah. might have to cancel Lorelai. Oh no! <laughs> um, but um. But she Netflixed all three Stars Borns. <laughs> yeah. What? I'm just gonna keep throwing you random Gilmore Girls quotes and attributes to you. Wait, how can that be one? Because there weren't three Stars Borns by the time of the most recent Gilmore Girls release. There. There somehow was. How? There's the... Oh, God. We got Streisand. We so got the Garland. Streisand, there's Garland, and there's no one... No Gaga yet. There's one before Garland. There's not one before Garland. Yeah. You're telling me that the, the newest Star is Born is the fourth version? Well, let me... I mean, if someone is, listen, is listening and yelling right now. Yeah. But there was also another film that was not... That was before all of them, and when they wanted that director of that film to make another film yeah. that eventually became A Star is Born, he said, oh, I already made this film. So there's a film before the first A Star is Born called What Price Hollywood oh, God. that is so similar that some people consider that the first one. Okay, so I, I just did some Googling, and it's, I'm looking at, I'm seeing a 1937 film called A Star is Born in 1954, 1976, and of course the 2018. Yeah. So that, I mean, that is four. Yeah. Um, so there were three when Gilmore Girls was doing it. The ha- Wow, I did not realize that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm upset. Yeah, there's a lot. There's yeah. a lot of things to be upset about. Just stop doing it. Yeah, yeah. Just knock it off. Hey, <laughs> Hollywood, knock it off. Hey, Hollywood, knock that shit off. I agree. Uh, so he says, I got to go schmooze the guests. Now, I don't. Here's the thing. How is what Mr. Grant is going to do right now any different than what he's been doing all day? Like he, he leaves right now and he, he's he says, do what your brother says within reason, and he yeah. tossles his boy's hair. Yes. The classic absentee father method. Yes. But he's been working all day? Yeah. Like, how is this, do what your brother says, how is this any different than what he's been, I, right? Am I? I don't understand what you're saying. I think, I mean, he was just checking this, in for a moment, and he was and he was just resuming, going back to like, yeah, back to But the way that he's leaving right now, it feels like, you know, oh, I gotta, I gotta go to work for eight hours. Do what your brother says. I did not get that sense at all. I thought he well, was Because he just, says, do what your brother says. That's the only thing to me that is like, how, how. And this is another one of those things where you, you pick up on things where I, I, I feel like one of us is an extraterrestrial. Okay. Because you are picking up something you, that seems to me so much from whole cloth that I, I don't understand where you're getting it from. What to I'm, me, that's just a thing you would say when you're leaving in any circumstance. It doesn't necessarily imply anything. It feels to me like it implies that he's leaving for an extended period. What is your big thing about... the? Uh, I would like to talk for a second about sure. the great um, PSA in which Lou Albano says the line... If you use drugs, you go to hell before you die. Yeah. What What is it that you believe is the implication of that line? I don't remember. Because there's something that you believe is the implication of that line that I find so bizarre. When to me the whole point, the, it's very clear that, that line is just saying, "Hey, hell will make or drugs will make your life so miserable. It is as if you've gone to hell even oh, though you're uh, still alive." My take is sin. He's he's saying that that doing drugs is a sin and sinning is like going to hell. I believe he's he's bringing I a guess. religious aspect my, to it. My dog is introducing some, a good amount of noise. Um, I don't know if that's picking up. You think so? I think it is. Okay. Well, you're the one with the headphones. What do, what do I know? Yeah, I think he's out of water as well um, <laughs> because he's licking the bowl. Oh. Um, 
I'll give him some water as soon as this is over. Mm-hmm. Who are you? Little Albano. Okay. <laughs> Noodles. Noodles? There's a pool noodle in the room. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of stuff in this image. You, you've got it up on your big screen here. And, uh, we it's see just the roller like, skates from earlier. And there's just like toys everywhere, it looks like to but, me. But this is their, their room, no? I think this looks like a hallway. It's a hallway, but I feel like it's. A, I feel like they have a suite. Sure. And this is just an, a, a previously unseen part of their living this space. This is the children's hallway? <laughs> I think it's part of their living space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is definitely part of their living space. Yeah. Yeah. It just it seems like... So, well, I mean, my interpretation of this scene is that, like, Mr. Grant has, like, gone back back to his living space for, like, his lunch break or something. Oh, okay. And that and he's leaving to go back out to work, and that's why he's saying this to I Kyle. guess lunch makes sense. What day is this? May... March 3rd. I don't know. They said it right at the start, remember? Yeah. How is it a Saturday? In the movie? Yeah. I don't remember. How come they're not in school is what I'm asking. Uh homeschooled or year round, I don't know. I mean if they're homeschooled, they're not they're not homeschooling because they're not they ain't doing shit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean I guess that's possible. Yeah. Uh that they're just they're just playing hooky. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm just wondering what their school situation is. Yeah, I mean that maybe none. Maybe not. Maybe, maybe no they, school. <laughs> this is just a no school situation. <laughs> maybe they had scenes where they they had a an in hotel school teacher, and they cut him because uh it was dumb. I need to go to sleep. It was just it's a dumb concept. Um, what happens next? Well, we see downstairs, uh, uh, Lord Rutledge is kind of holding court with a corner of a bar. Oh, oh, is this? <laughs> read my note. Read those, read those That's two words. So that I far wrote away, down. I can't even be. I wrote the words "holding court." Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> um, and the first note that I have though is about his tiny cigarette holder. I do have an note about the cigarette holder. I also this movie is. Uh, I feel like um, I wasn't really doing this with Mrs. Della Croce, but I feel like now it's doing the thing. I feel like there's a trope of con men specifically conning older women mm-hmm. and he's like specifically holding court with like a, a bunch of old women it looks like yes at least at least the first one sitting closest to him yeah uh that i think that's a good that's a good place to start that's where <laughs> this is how con men get they get in on the ground floor sure <clears throat> um and he what are you saying to them is this line the human body can only stand so many centuries of inbreeding yeah gross yeah what a gross thing to say. I have, I I suspect, yeah, it's a gross thing to say. Yeah. Do you think, I think he's making fun of one of two groups of people. Okay. The royal family or Southerners in America. I think it's the royal family or, yeah. let me let me deepen it. A specific member of the royal family. He He's claiming branch. to be a lord. Someone in it within his own quote unquote so you family. Think he's being self-deprecating. Self-deprecating about a, someone that they would recognize the, a name. Yeah. But he's saying that they're like related to him or something. Mm. I think that's how he's bringing it up. Interesting. He's like, "Hello, I'm Lord Rutledge. You might know my uncle. The human body can only withstand so many years." So. <laughs> <laughs> like that's. I think that's the insane thing that he's doing there. Okay. Okay. Um, and the there all three of these onlookers laugh. Yeah, they're into it. Like a lot. Yeah, they're really into this story. Um, and then also, I, I I described it as a corner of a bar. I also could see this as a very small, 
like boutique bar. Like this is the tiny bar. Yeah, it looks like maybe it's like a VIP bar. It's some some kind of specialized, very small bar. Yeah, and it's set off to the side of the lobby or something. Yeah. Um, that you can see the bartender I, there. I would maybe even suggest that this is not the lobby, but this is a floor that only guests staying on certain floors can yeah. access. Oh, yeah. And this is their bar. Yeah, because we see in the background Mr. Grant comes down from a staircase. Yeah. But it's like a small off to the sides, like stairwell almost. Yeah. Um, which would indicate maybe it leads up to only only a employee section or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so he is immediately spotted by... Lord Rutledge. Lord Rutledge. And Lord Rutledge says, oh, uh, are you the manager? Yeah. And he comes over. They inter- they say, say their names to each other. Yes. Uh, Mr. Grant reaches out for a handshake. And is Shot down. Denied. Ignored. Yeah. The handshake refusal, yeah. as played off in films, mm-hmm. is such a huge scene. Yeah. It's in like a lot of movies. Yeah. Uh, it's in Super Mario Brothers. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so then... This is where he, he's starting up again. Lord Rutledge, he says, yeah. where do you keep your champagne? The furnace? Let's talk about sideways. <laughs> All right. Had you seen the film before? Nope. Me neither. Did you like it? Nope. Me neither. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Love it when we can experience that. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, for, for this a, is real bad, huh? Yeah. For a film that neither of us had seen, it came out in what, 04? I want to say 03. But you, around I, the, you could be right. Yeah, around that time. Uh, so it's it's not... It, oh, four. You were right. Yeah, it wouldn't be... It's not like we missed it. Do you know what I mean? It I wasn't we, for us when it came out. Yeah, it wasn't for us. But it was definitely like a movie that like our parents would have been watching. Right? Yes. It was for them. And I and I do recall seeing like The Descendants a few years later. Sure. Um, I say a few. What It was It was like seven years later. But, the Descendants um, was 2011. Yeah. It's exactly seven years later. You're on fire. I, look, okay. You're and on also, Alexander I mean, Payne Hot Street. What, what I do, I love the film Nebraska. I love Nebraska as well. I love Nebraska. I like Election a lot. Yeah. I like About Schmidt. Y- yeah. I like his segment in Paris Je N- Never saw it, but okay. It's pretty good. I, I So the thing is, right? Like, we should like this movie. Yes. And, like, I think we like Paul Giamatti together. Here's the thing about Paul we can put, between the two of us we can put some love together for him. I would I would agree with that, but I don't I you know here's the thing about Paul Giamatti. Yeah, I don't think I don't think uh, it's it's shaky when he plays a character we're supposed to have sympathy with. Yes, and sometimes it goes real bad, mm-hmm. and I would say this movie is an example of that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, right. So it's it's him and Thomas Hayden Church. Yeah, uh, and they're. They're two two buddies going on a wine tour. Yeah, they're going on a wine tour before of, like Central California. Thomas Hayden Church is going to get married. Yeah, I will say okay. So one of the few moments of enjoyment I got out of this film mm-hmm. was at the start, at the very start of the film. There was a brief moment where I did kind of enjoy their friendship. Sure, but it was it was very clear to me that they would be so much more appealing if they were boyfriends instead of just friends. Ooh, okay. Um, I mean, that would obviously radically change the movie. Yeah, like it would be a completely different movie at mm-hmm. that point. But I would argue that that's for the better because it's not a good movie. Yeah. Um, I don't know where to start. I um, what, did you have any preconceived notions about this film going in? Um, wine. Wine. I, yeah. mean, I, I think that's why you chose to pair it with this. Yeah. 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 And and I this, not just wine, but specifically, um, I feel like a lot of people, um, like it was like a thing that people said they got into wine tasting after seeing this movie. Well, and it's true. Like the the 
company, Fox or whoever made this movie, mm-hmm. made a wine club yeah. specifically for fans of this movie, and it it's like still today it exists still, which is baffling to well, me. And then I tweeted this, yeah. but I'm gonna say it again. I can't imagine watching this movie and being like, "Yep, this is the life I want to live." And and the other thing was that because it's after, not just that the characters are b- bad people who are yeah, unappealing. Yeah, their lifestyle seems unappealing too. The actual I, act of wine tasting in the movie seems fucking insufferable. I yeah, I kind of hate wine tasting as a gimmick. Yeah, and it's funny. I mean, both of us like the show Frasier. Yeah, where they they have a wine tasting club as well. Well, here's the thing though about Frasier: they have a wine tasting club in like one episode. Yeah, they also drink sherry, which is a fucking cooking wine. So like, <laughs> I feel like Frasier canonically like is a dipshit who doesn't know about wine well i think i mean if you go all the way back to cheers frazier is like a dipshit who doesn't know anything <laughs> yeah, about fancy uh, life yeah he's like putting it all on yeah yeah um but i god and it's this movie's bad it's yeah, really bad it's really bad i i think for me the other thing that was frustrating was that when they would approach something interesting about wine mm-hmm. The movie would either stop caring, like the movie itself would just like the scene would end because it's like, ah, who gives a shit about that? Yeah. Or it would try and turn it into something where it's like, it's like, oh, it's actually about these characters. And I'd be like, no, it's fucking not. The one one character who talked about wine in the movie that in a way that I found interesting was Maya, the Virginia Madsen character. Yes. Um, And then like there's this moment where she talks about why she likes wine. And I was like, I actually was like, oh, yeah, like that, that actually seems cool. And and she seems like an interesting person. Mm. And like that, the point of that moment is like. Like Paul Giamatti was supposed to kiss her in that moment, and he didn't because he's a coward. Yeah. Um. And then again, like, so it takes that, like, this it, we have to see her being cool, and then it like just turns into this scene where we're just willowing and wallowing rather, and and Paul Giamatti being shitty, which is like the whole fucking movie anyway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he has like a, a kind of a destructive tendency when he's faced with those moments. Yes. Where it's like, oh great, here also, we gotta watch this. Okay. <clears throat> what? What is the point of this movie? Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> I'm not just trying to be a real a real Debbie Downer here and yeah. talk about how shitty the movie is. Yeah. Like I'm honestly tr- like I like I feel like part of my issue with this movie is that I genuinely don't get it uh-huh. because it seems to me like Paul Giamatti like does not learn or like it seems like no one learns or changes as a character, mm-hmm. and yet at the end like it ends on this sort of nice note for Paul Giamatti where where Virginia Madsen like calls him back. Or she really, frankly, shouldn't have. Mm. Um, and like it, it, it ends on a happy note for him. But I, I, no one seems to have learned anything. I, I don't know what points were made about anything. Yeah, it's so. I mean, again, it, you hate this. It's based on a book. Yeah. And I, what I had read was that Alexander Payne somehow read an advanced copy of the book before it technically came out, mm. and. He he read it on a plane. The plane yeah. landed. He ran to a phone and said, "I need the rights. I need to make this movie. These characters are so pathetic. I love it." Uh, and it's okay. like, uh, "Okay, dude, uh, I, I guess." guess. <laughs> and so, so what is it? Just like a like, let's gawk at the pathetic people. Is that the is that the point of this movie? Yeah, I think yeah. Really? Honestly, I think, yeah. I think it is just and um, I I can't remember who I can't attribute this quote to anyone, but I remember reading it. Was it was another filmmaker or someone had said it's it's like Alexander Payne made a movie that you would make in the seventies where it's just kind of aimless. Fuck that! I know, right? It's, <laughs> it's I was like, that's stupid. Yeah. That's so fucking dumb. Because you see these movies today. This is not like a seventies throwback. Yeah, it's just like it people is, have always made shitty movies. <laughs> yeah, people have always made movies where it's just people doing dumb shitty things, and yeah. at the end, nothing matters. Yeah. 
like by the end, I mean, I, I if you want to have like a, a, a like a quote unquote good ending, uh, Thomas Hayden Church's character wouldn't get married because his fiance would find out about all of his bullshit. Him being a shithead. Yeah. yeah. Um, just, that that part to me is just so because in that moment, there's a moment in that wedding scene where it it feels like it's supposed to be triumphant, and I'm just like, God, this sucks. God, no, yeah. Every person in the scene, it sucks for all of them. Yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> it's, yeah. Um, another thing that I sort of was aware of in this movie that I that was like something that I knew going in was that I knew that um. Sandra O oh had like a sort of sexual romantic role in this movie mm. and that a lot of people at the time were like really shitty about that. Oh, do you remember this? No. Cause um, I had, I had forgotten that she was married to Alexander Payne. I didn't know that. Um, I, I remember and I'm listen, I take no pride in this. This is an embarrassing time in my life. I was 12 going on 13 when this movie came out. Sure. And yeah, at that point in my life, I watched family guy. It was a show that I watched. Mm-hmm. And I remember Family Guy specifically, but I remember seeing this in other places too, having jokes where like the, the premise of the joke was that it's ridiculous that anyone would try to sell Sandra O oh as like a sexy person. Oh my God. Uh, and in a way that all that really, really seemed like in a really bad way, racially motivated. Yeah, where, what like, the fuck? I remember specifically a Family Guy joke where they were like impersonating Sandra Oh, like someone was doing like straight up squinting their eyes. Oh and I'm like, God. it's just, I don't know. And I, watching the movie, like, I like I don't think this is a good movie. I, I, I don't know that there's much going on with her character that I find interesting, but I, I think she does a fine job in this role. I, I think she's yeah. a good actor. And I yeah. I think she, she was one of the more likable people in the movie. Mm. Um, and uh, hey, let's just, uh, so as much as I hate this movie, I feel like in this weird place where I feel like I kind of should defend it because like Sandra O oh caught a lot of flack. I think that was not deserved. Mm. I I mean yeah I think the way the, I watch this movie and I think like oh Sandra O oh should be like a leading character in I other agree with that. like she's films. Great I would like, like to see her in like a this, real movie. Yeah, this film should have launched her into like star status. I mean, I would argue that she kind of, she, she's, I mean, she's, I mean, Grey's Anatomy, neither of us watch it, but Grey's Anatomy is huge. Yeah. And I, and I'm also not saying what I'm saying, like as if she failed. It's, it's that the people who make those decisions to cast people didn't choose her and they should have. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's very specifically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Wow, I didn't even know that aspect. Oh yeah, I wasn't even aware I of that. Fully remember this because I remember even at the time, even when I was like a shitty fucking twelve year old, even I was like, "It's a little weird, right?" Mm-hmm. Um, but now, like, I mean, I, back then I thought it was a little weird. Now I look back, I was like, "Oh, that's fucking disgusting and horrifying that people did that." Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, uh, so sideways. Yeah. Not a good movie. Not though. a good movie. I was, <laughs> no. I was gonna, I was prepared to to come in here and say the only thing I liked about it was the music <laughs> oh see i fucking hated the music in this movie i hated it so much this to me is like every like smart grown-up movie score like they mm. all like every every movie that is of this type that doesn't want to put you know effort into the score they all fucking mm. sound like this and i hate it i feel like it's the grown-up equivalent we i've talked on another podcast about how much i i i hate a lot of the hook score sure because it's that family movie like dun, 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 like that like that kind of music like dunson checks in yes like yeah. I, another movie which i would i think a terrible score mm. I, I i think this is just the the grown-up version of that the score to this movie i think and and it's funny that you mentioned the the smart grown-up movie thing I think that's what happened to Thomas Hayden Church. He got stuck in the smart grown-up movie hole? Yes. Yeah. 
He was consistently tried to break out with Spider Man three, but <laughs> yeah, he really did. Yeah, because uh, I I remember him in a lot of those kind of talky adult dramas. Yeah, uh, that have like a that humorous kind of was moment. His niche. Yeah, yeah, he really he really got stuck in that. Yeah. Uh, when I was looking at this movie, did you notice that they remade it? Did they? <laughs> they remade it. Um, I believe it's it's uh the remake is of of like Japanese origin. Oh, okay. But they still. They still come to the California wine country. What? Yeah, I'm very. I kind of want to watch that movie now. Yeah, it's it's. I I I mean, I can't speak to whether or not it keeps any of the elements, but I I saw the poster for it, and I and I read that it is a character flies into the California wine country yeah. for his friend's wedding. Wild. <laughs> Just like what the hell? That is wild. Yeah. Um. I know you forbade me talking about this, um, but there was a there was the L a, word, L O S T. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was a there was a an actor from that show did appear in this movie, and uh, and it surprised me because you you do see his dick. Oh, that guy. Yeah, that guy, um, M C Gainey, who played uh, Tom Friendly on Lost. Yeah. Uh, uh, chases them around with his. I thought he looked familiar. Wiener out in this movie. Yeah. What is, did he die? I don't believe so. Someone died from uh, Lost, didn't they? Um, who am I thinking of? I, I mean, thought, wh- I thought one of those one of those character actor types from Lost died. I mean, several of them turned out to be really horrible people. Yeah, because that that that's maybe that's a death. should have died. That's a kind of a death. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I just I don't know who I'm thinking of then. I don't know who died. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think of someone who died. I thought. See, Four I thought died on the show. Is that what you're thinking of? The yeah, characters definitely. Died. Yeah, the characters died. <laughs> yeah. Um, I thought you were gonna bring up. I thought he because I thought he was on the show Lost. The <laughs> and but he was definitely on Veep. There's at one point when they're at a golf club mm-hmm. and they're they're um, talking in a derogatory way about women. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a man who seems to be at the golf club with his son and he yells at Thomas Hayden Church's character. You know, watch your language. Yeah. That man is like he is a character actor who he. he I was remember on, hearing that. Yeah, I don't remember seeing that character. Yeah, he was on Veep. I, that's the only place where I could place this man's face from. Huh. But I thought maybe somehow he was he was on that show that you were obsessed with. That's very bad. Interesting. Uh, um, but he and for him to be so like for me very like oh I see him and I recognize him yeah. as literally just a like the briefest moment in this film practically a cameo mm-hmm. and then I looked at his character name in the credits. And he has like a full character name. Weird. So I wondered if maybe it was something left over from the book or maybe it was some bullshit that got left on. This movie is also two hours and seven minutes oh, long. Oh, yeah. One of my I'm notes here is this is too fucking long. Look, at one, I got an hour in. Yeah. And I and it's it's like the romancy parts kind of kicking in. And I thought this should be wrapping up right fucking now. Was Mike Erganian the character? No. Okay. There's a character in this movie called Mike Erganian. That's Played the dad. by Sean Duke. Credited as Duke Muskian. That's the dad. That's weird, though, that's, right? That's the uh, father-in-law or whatever. That yeah, that's a little a, strange. That's a weird thing, right? Yeah. I'm gonna. Are you Are you looking at the list now? Yeah, I'm trying How to find the list you're talking I'll, about. I'll, I'll tell you what. Um, is it Phil Reeves, aka Vacationing Doctor Wilt Walt Hendricks? Yes, look at that. Why are such weird fucking names? Isn't that crazy? Like why? Like why do we need his full name and that he's vacationing within oh, his title? I'll tell you why. I looked at his IMDb. So he's vacationing Dr. Walt Hendricks. In Election, he played Walt Hendricks. This is part of the Alexander Payne-averse. Oh, 
Oh no. <laughs> no, I didn't need that. I'm sorry. Does he show up in now. any of the others? Does he is he vacationing Doctor Whatever? He's in, in About Schmidt, Descendants? but he plays, a, he plays a different character in About Schmidt. But he's not in Descendants. Uh I don't I couldn't tell you. Okay. I mean I'm looking at his IMDb now. His IMDb. What do you think happened to Alexander Payne? Um I don't I mean, know. Because this movie's so bad, but then we like Do you like the Descendants? I haven't seen it. I thought it was fine, um, but also maybe at the time I just again it wasn't for me. Like it's not sure. <laughs> it's for like a completely different age bracket than me. Yeah. Um, but and maybe that's why Nebraska worked for me because it's like father and son thing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. I don't know. And then um, then I look at like I didn't care about downsizing, and then it just progressively the trailers got worse for it. Oh, downsizing! I, I was like, well, that movie looks wicked racist. Y- yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, I didn't. I did not see that film. I forgot that was him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah right. That's easy to forget. That's him because it yeah. doesn't. It's like a sci-fi whatever. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Mm. Um. <laughs> Big shrug. Big shrug. Big, Big shrug. shrug. Sideways. Bad movie. Don't watch it. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I. Can't, <laughs> I can't. I have no desire to ever encounter this film in any way ever again. Another thing that's bad about this movie is it seems to be um, in a weird way. If I were trying to try, if I I were to try to pull some moral out of the movie, okay, some message, it's one that I vehemently don't agree with. um, It would seem to suggest that. if someone is super talented, let's say if they wrote a book that's really amazing, that you're maybe Virginia Madsen, you wrote this manuscript, you read this manuscript that's really amazing, um, you should date them even if they're like a total asshole who's d- d- toxic and bad to you. Mm-hmm. Um, which is uh, the opposite of a thing that I would say is true, mm. but it seems to be what the movie is. Are you suggesting. saying that you think that's what the message is? I mean, yeah, based on based on what we see in the movie, yeah. That feels well, there's because like... in, in that same scene where she talks about wine and it's like actually kind of interesting and cool, mm-hmm. he talks about why he likes Pinot so much. Mm-hmm. And I've rolled my eyes so hard because it's like he's he's talking about Pinot, um, the, the the grapes, in a way that is very, very obviously a metaphor for himself. Yeah. He's like, they're hard to love. <laughs> yeah. You got to get them to open up. You got to be patient with them. It's like, okay, okay that's the, you. The, the movie seems to agree with him. Which yeah. is that that it's it's you should put in the effort for those grapes, which I'm not saying you shouldn't put in the effort to reach people necessarily, but like someone who's who's I, I don't know. It, it just seems to be the the movie seems to be honoring his vision of himself. Well, and they they really bury kind of some information that he like it's supposed to, you're supposed to feel sad for him because he's divorced. Yeah, but then they bury the information that he cheat. He's the one who cheated on his wife yeah. with a student. Yes, and it, it's kind of like oh, you can't you can't yeah, feel bad for yourself <laughs> you're the agent of your own demise yeah. like it's kind of that doesn't work that way yeah um you're but, an agent of your own demise you treat every you treat everyone horribly except for thomas hayden church who you should, you should be harsher <laughs> with yeah um, um and i think I, I think the other thing about that that ending uh where she calls him up and says oh i had some question about your book and then describes the plot of the book yeah i think we as the viewer are supposed to interpret that as because he says at the beginning of the movie that the book is semi autobiographical. Yeah. So these are supposed to be meant to, to be taken as facts on his life. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, your dad died and oh, your sister's bad that to one, you. That one dies. But it's it's just kind of a thing where it's like, is this meant to be secret information that opens our eyes it to him? Because it at first of all, 
it doesn't. And second of all, what a shitty reveal. Like, like what <laughs> yeah. a shitty way to pa- to frame your movie. Yeah. Like that writers hide in their books the secrets of their lives. Yeah. And that's what we're supposed to take from this. Like, th- yeah. Like, no, fuck you. Like, he, yeah. Paul Giamatti's a bad person in this. Yeah. And I, like we said, the only, maybe the only two good people are Maya and um, Sandro's Stephanie. character. Stephanie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Who knows? What a bad movie. I'm, I'm so glad that we are both fully in agreement <laughs> on this one. I couldn't believe it. I got to the end of the movie and I went, wow, that was really fucking bad. Yeah, that fucking sucked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, back to the minute? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, where do you keep your champagne? The furnace. Near the furnace. Uh, and then there's more laughs. Yeah. And so Mr. Grant just goes, "Is there a problem?" Yeah. And uh, he says that the the champagne. Uh, he it says was that so- the 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 Bellman bought brought him a bottle of champagne that he could have comfortably bathed in, had there been any soap. Now he's saying he could have bathed in it as in it was very warm. Yeah. Okay. It was warm enough for him to have bathed in it. And then he was saying he didn't even have soap in the room. Yeah. Okay. I the that he could have bathed in that part gets me every time, and I don't know why. Yeah. Because it just feels like, I guess you take very hot baths. I don't know. Yeah. Let me I ask, don't take baths. Uh, let me ask you this. What? What percentage of what Lord Rutledge is saying do you believe to be true? Zero. Right? It's pure fabrication. He didn't order a bottle of champagne. He's just trying to show off for these women. Yeah. Yeah. And he's he's showing off. You're, you're exactly right. Showing off as in he's just telling his jokes. Yes. Um, and they're all just kind of laughing it off. Yeah. Uh, and he says, um, Mr. Grant says, well, I'm terribly sorry. Yeah. And we're seeing behind Mr. Grant, we can kind of see mm-hmm. part of an area where there is, um, I think this must be the lobby then, or at least an elevated area of the lobby. I don't necessarily agree because who do we see but Mrs. Delacroce and it would make sense that she would also be in the coming in out of an elevator yeah and then the then she immediately walks outside walks walk, walks out what do you mean outside outside the hotel <laughs> I mean there's like there's definitely like large balconies well that we'll, we will see in later minutes but she's walking outside to a taxi oh is she going outside to a taxi I didn't catch that yeah oh yeah okay yeah, yeah. So then, yeah, it probably is the lobby. You're we right. we can see her coming out of an elevator. Yeah, and so then, um, Mister Mister Lord Rutledge sees this. Yeah, and he's when Mister Grant says, "Well, I'm terribly sorry." He says, "Yes, you should be." Yeah, then immediately follows Mrs. Delacroce. Yeah. We didn't talk. Did we talk enough about this the cigarette holder? No, it's, it's really silly looking. It's weird and little. It's little and it's got like a weird curve to it, almost like Count Dooku's lightsaber. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I would also describe it as looking either like a horn or like a dragon. Well, that's I would say we see that in the final shot when it's just in his mouth. Mm-hmm. When he's holding it, I w- it sort of obscures that, I would say. Well, the fir- the very first time I watched this minute when he was holding it, I literally thought, did they roll up a fucking gum wrapper and stick his cigarette and in pretend it that was a cigarette and wrapper, try yeah. and play that off? Because it just it does look like just sort of crushed tin foil. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't look like art artfully made. No, it looks like it was made in a in a gift shop and they just throw throw it at you when you leave. I bet, I bet this is one of those things where if we if we had this cigarette holder in person and we could see what we could get some close look at the details, it would surprise us what it looks like. I yeah. bet there's something going on there that we just can't. We you know the resolution's not clear enough for us. Well, to make yeah, that. that's why I'm saying like dragon. It could be any animal. Yeah, but a dragon makes sense because of smoke. Sure, dragon makes smoke. Dragons do make smoke. That's where smoke comes from. Yep. 
all smoke in the world comes from dragons. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he is following Mrs. Delacroce mm-hmm. out. And in fact, we get a little, we hear a little bit of what she says to the doorman. Yes. Uh, the doorman says, good evening, Mrs. Delacroce. And this, to me, feels amplified so that we, the viewer, understand that that's what's going on. Yeah. We see Mrs. Delacroce's reflection in the front door of the hotel that um, now Lord Rutledge is approaching. Mm-hmm. And we see her reflection getting into the taxi cab. Yeah. Uh, she says, uh, oh, the doorman says, good evening, Mrs. Delacroce. Have a nice evening. Yeah. And um, she replies, you too, darling. And then that's the the minute kind of ends with Lord Rutledge going outside. Yes, and that's that's the end of the minute. Yeah, yeah. I have nothing more to say on this one. Okay. I will say this pairing uh, appropriate, more so than I thought it would be. Okay, and that these these are movies where people have particular opinions about wine, and okay. are um, needlessly assholes to other people. Yeah. And that was something that I, I didn't know would be a connection, but is. It definitely is. And I think, you know, I think neither this minute nor the film are pleasurable experiences, but I do think um, if you are the theoretical sort of person who would enjoy them, I think they would pair well nicely. I be- guess. I, I guess. think they are very similarly themed. I guess that I guess that is true. Including the fact that he's going to lie to a woman and ruin her life. Yeah. Yeah. God, that sucks. These, these, sucks. These, this minute and the movie are are bad in the same way. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, d- do you want to hear my choice for minute 22? Nah. Nah? Nah. Nah? Just a surprise? Yeah, just surprise me. A secret surprise? Yeah. Come on. All right. What is it? All right. The, the movie that I've chosen to pair. Yeah. And this, we've talked before about how we have a chart where they're all planned out. Yeah, I haven't looked at the chart since you put this in. Mm-hmm. So this is a genuine surprise to me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What do you got for me? <laughs> minute, the movie. Papa, what do you got for me, Papa? <laughs> Pairing with Minute 22 yeah. is Planet of the Apes. Which version? See, I'm debating. <laughs> so you haven't decided yet which version? But I... I think the f- the original. Okay, sixty-eight. That's, for me, the original. We're looking at nineteen sixty-eight. Was my intent? Planet of the Apes. I thought as a goof, I should make you watch the Mark Wahlberg version, but no. Plugs. Go, you do yours. Okay, I well, I always do my first. I do another podcast called Nothing New. It's a remake podcast. Uh, Justin Kuzan is my co-host, and every month we pick a movie and its remake, and we talk about it. Our most recent episode is on Miss Bala. Uh, it's a revenge action film uh, starring Gina Rodriguez, and it was originally a pretty serious drama. And uh, let me tell you, in that American translation, they really uh, screw that up. So go, go ahead and listen for our our full thoughts on that. Uh, BenVNetwork.com slash nothing new. And you can also, you know, find me on another show called It's On My List. It's on my listpod.com. We talk about the movies people say should be on your list. Oh. The Matrix to Gone with the Wind. It's everything in between. Yeah. It's on my list.com. Another place you can find me is on Twitter and Instagram at Podcaster Andrew. Let's pick up the energy. You can find, if you didn't hear that because he was a little low energy, Andrew said you can find him on Twitter and Instagram at Podcaster Andrew. Uh. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch at Very Cool Emily. I stream three times a week. Sometimes I play Fortnite with Andrew. Sometimes I play Dark Souls with C. Sometimes I play WWE 2K18 with Lily. 
Those are the things I do on the internet. You can uh, go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash Dunstan. Um, you can get exclusive content there. Um, everyone loves exclusive content. You know me. You know I know you. You love exclusive content. Um, please rate and review us on Apple Pie. Cast? Uh, yep. Okay. Four, four stars four plus one more. And seven years ago. You give us four stars plus one more. And then in the text of your review, you I want you to write a personal letter. <laughs> To Donkey Kong. Oh, okay. So, right, dear DK, or dear Donkey Kong, or dear Donkey, if you're casual. Term. Dearest Kong. Dearest Kong. Um, and then just sort of uh, express your feelings to Donkey Kong. Dearest Kong, I do hope this missive finds you in good health. There, yeah. I gave you a little well, starter. You can start it that way. You can start it however you want. Mm-hmm. Just express your feelings towards Donkey Kong. And sign it. And the good news is, if you're too nervous to tell Donkey Kong how you really feel, you can just put all your thoughts into this letter and, and put it on our iTunes page. Yeah. And Donkey Kong won't ever see it because no. his, his fists are too big for keyboards. He also hates this movie. Yeah. <laughs> so he would never find it. It's true. Um, uh, anything else? Nope. So I guess until next week. We're checking out. Ding, ding. To all who come to this happy podcast, welcome. Nothing new is something new. That great poets imitate and improve. Where our small ones steal and spoil. Hi, I'm Andrew. And I'm Justin. And if it wasn't readily apparent at that, we're huge nerds about remakes. That's why we're doing the Nothing New Podcast. Once a month, we'll sit down and talk about a remake in detail and its original, covering them in whatever order they come out, from Wizard of Oz to It and beyond. They're remaking Stuart Gordon's 1986 sci-fi horror classic from beyond? Oh, no. Not yet. Oh, that's going to be a long time coming. Anyway, if that sounds up your alley, come join Justin and I, and maybe a guest or two, to explore the wonderful world of remakes, film by film. Remakes have been done forever. People talk, but Scarface don't even know that was a remake. Oh, nicely said. Don't thank me. Thank Antoine Fuqua. This podcast is a part of the Benview Network. You can find this and other podcasts like it at BenviewNetwork.com.